Hello, and thank you for joining us on our Fort Road Victory Church podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us or get connected, please head to our website at frvc.ca. Now on with the sermon. So Lewis said last week we did start a new series on giving. We, cut, we titled it Cold Blue, Cold Blue, A Matter of the Heart. This week my message is called It's the Thought That Counts. Okay. Why do we start a, me- a message on giving? Because it has to be talked about. You know, if what you heard Lewis saying at the, you know, at the, at the spot where he was receiving our tithes and, and offerings, if you just hear it, well, you know, that's what they always do. It's, it's something that churches do or they have to. It becomes religious rote to us. It just becomes something that we don't have a revelation on. If we don't understand why God has called us to give. It just becomes something, well, here's that time of the, the church where they, they, they want the money, they need the money. God doesn't need our money. Let's get that revelation, first of all. God doesn't need our money. But he wants us to partner with him. That's the difference. He wants us to partner with him in what he's doing. So if he's going to change this world, he wants the church to be a part of that so that we could reap the blessing of his work that's happening on the earth. Amen? And part of that is using resources to be able to reach out to where we have to reach out. So Quinn opened up this, this elephant in the room last week, and I'm going to continue it. Um, <clears throat> again, when I think about it, I think when the Israelites were, were being taught this whole principle on giving and, and setting aside and bringing it to the storehouse, I can imagine how uncomfortable it made them feel. Why? Because it's naturally our human nature to not want to do this. So they had to get to a place where obedience came first until they got the revelation that God was for them. Now here we are thousands of years later, until we get the revelation that God is for us, we will look at this, oh, here's another tithing message. Here's another giving opportunity. Here's, right? Until you get that revelation that God is not trying to take something away from you, but trying to get you something, give you something, then you'll always look at this, oh, here's that part of the service I really hate. Come on, I'll use that word because there's a lot of people that voice that. Why do we talk about it so much? Because God knows how uncomfortable it makes you. And you know that? If it makes you uncomfortable, you have to do something. Come on, right? Anything that he gets you to a place of uncomfortability, you will either try to tolerate it or you will have to change and do something to get in line with what God's doing. Amen? So here we are. We're trying to bring understanding to this. We have to. It's just, it, it, it's God's word that we're trying to bring an understanding to. Not me, not the person who's hosting. God's word, right? He knows deep down the heart of the human being. That's you and I. If you're a human being, raise your hand in this room. He knows the heart of the human being is naturally selfish. Yeah, I said that. You and I, naturally selfish because that is in us, right? It's one way that God uses to change us, to be others-minded, to be mindful of others. Here's the thing. If we're going to be the answer to the world, wouldn't that mean that we need to be mindful of the others that are outside of me? Outside of you, outside of this church? Yeah, we do, okay? So again, any message where a challenge is thrown out, where you know you're going to have to listen to something that's not going to be something you like or you maybe even agree with, 
is to challenge you to, 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 again, to think what God thinks, not what I think, not what another person says, not what another person has written about, but what does God say about this, right? So here's the thing. A lot of times what we tend to do is change behavior instead, you know, to get a better outcome. If you get angry, stop yelling, okay? So, yes, you've stopped yelling, but you're still angry. We haven't dealt with the root of that anger, yes? Okay? It's, it's the same thing with any addiction that you have, right? Stop the addiction. Stop the alcohol. Stop smoking. Stop doing drugs. Stop this. Stop that. Stop porn. Stop. You can stop all those things because it's behavior, but unless we get to the root of it, which is why do you do that? Why do you think like that? Why? Then you'll continue to just do behavioral changes until finally you say, I, I, it's not working. Because behavioral changes don't work alone. You have to couple it. What are you thinking that it results into your behavior? Okay. Let's take giving and generosity. We're taught just give. But until we get to the root of why we don't want to give, whether it's because we don't trust where it goes, we want control, right? Because we don't have enough. We won't, you know, we won't do it with a cheerful heart. It'll, it'll always become, oh, here's that part of the service. Like I said, here's that part of the service where they're demanding us to give. Until we get to the root, why do I think like that? Then you're going to come in and say, well, you know, i, I got to do this because people are watching me. I'm not watching you. I don't know what you have. I don't know what's in your hand. I don't know what you put in, right? It will just be behavior until we understand the root of why we do these things. So here's the thing. Let me start off with this. Generous giving is rooted in the nature of God, not in you. Generous giving is rooted in God's nature. You have to get this. Right now you're just saying it, right? It's the, I throw you a bone, you catch it. No, no, no. You've got to get this. Generous giving is rooted in the nature of God. How do I know that? John 3.16 says what? For God so loved, say it with me, the world that he, that he, that he, stop there. Generous giving is rooted in the nature of God. Did you just not prove that? That he gave himself. He didn't hold back. He's not wanting us to give more and then he'll give the rest. He gave it all, didn't he? John 3.16. Do we need to go through that again? We got to get this, guys. If you don't get this in your head, it goes nowhere. And then you're back to next week. Oh, here's that part where he wanted us to give. Generous giving is rooted in the nature of God. Now, how does this affect you and I? Who here has been created in the image of God? 10, 20, is that it? No, come on. We're being serious. Who here has been created in the image of God? So that means that we have been created to be generous. A lot of you are agreeing with it, but how does that translate? Because then there's, there's still that, that thought that hasn't translated to behavior, right? We'll get to that. Again, the bottom line to John 3.16 is that love gives. Love is generous and love doesn't withhold. Amen? So here's the thing. God the Father, God the Son... 
and the Holy Spirit together during creation said, let us make him in our image. Now, a lot of you think, oh, arms and legs, eyes and hair, feet and nose. No. God doesn't have a physical body like that. Right? It even says in Galatians that Jesus took on the form of a human so that he could become a servant. So Jesus doesn't even have that form. He did not make himself into the likeness of man. They made us into the likeness of them. Are you with me still? Yes, yes, yes? I like nodding because then I know that you're not sleeping. Maybe you're nodding off. Okay? So Jesus took on the form of, of, of a man, of a human being, in order to come down here on earth. But we were, making the like, we were made in the likeness of God, the image of God, which means that he put everything of who he is into us. Thank you, Jesus. No, no, more. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Okay, so now let's stay, stay with creation. Sixty six days later after creation, what did God say? And he looked at everything and he said, it is, it is, it is, yay. So in this image that we've been created, it is good. There's nothing wrong with it. It is good. The fact that our God, who is generous and gave, put that in us and said, it is good. We have that in us. But some of you read that, and it just doesn't absorb. It just, no, I, well, you know, look at what I have. No. It's not what you have. It's what God put in you. So why do many Christians live a life that doesn't represent the image of God living in them? They live in extreme debt, never able to give because they just make enough to get by each month. If you've got your Bibles, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Let's read this. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Remember, God made everything, Right? God made everything. We are part of that everything that he made. Now, I've got a science background, and I love it because it, 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 science is what God uses to prove who he is as well. I can't prove everything, but they're, every, they're finding out more and more that it lines up to creation. This, this jelly that came together that some people are still thinking and believing is garbage, right? Science is simply... A description of everything. Okay? God made everything that science discovers. Are you with me on that? God made everything that science is finally discovering. Okay? So I even talk about this now with people when it comes to healing. Because, man, it's, it takes a lot of faith to get healed, doesn't it? Even though the Bible says just a mustard seed. But, and, and here's the thing. God knows that sometimes we just don't have that faith to to believe for that healing. But didn't I just say God made science? So who made medicine? Oh, okay. Well, you, you, you're lacking in that area of faith. Well, I made this. So if you're going to put your, your, your healing in, in Tylenol or whatever it is that is, I still made that. Hello? 
I still made that. Give God the glory. Don't give it to man because he never created. He just discovered it, which was God, what God had already created for us to discover. You know what? I was one of the, oh, medicine. And yet I, my background is medical. And I'm realizing, no, because God knows at times I, I just am not there to believe that. So he said, well, you want to believe in that? That's fine because I made that too. Science is God's way of inspiring man, you and I, to find out what he's hidden in nature. It really is. That's what we're doing now. That's why somehow science is proving that creation theory is actually probably the way to go. Because this evolution thing and monkeys coming out of the bush, not happening. Right? So here's the thing. The church has the answer. I've kind of laid this foundation. Does the church have the answer? Because God has poured everything into us. Yes. Right? Then we need to let the rest of the world know that we have the answer. Well, when God wants to give me more, then that's when I'll give more. More resources, more time, more whatever. God's given us everything we need already. Giving. Here's the thing. Bottom line with giving, we give not so we can get. We give because we get to. Wow. Profoundly simple, isn't it? We give because we have this privilege to be able to give. We get to give. Not we have to give, we get to give. Every opportunity that is open for you to give, whether it's through the, you know, someone knocking at your door at the church or whatever, you get an opportunity to show the world you have an answer. Whether it's a little bit or a lot. Quinn used this last week, and I'm going to use it again. We're blessed to be a blessing. Again, we're blessed to be a blessing. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. A lot of these verses, that we read them and we, they just kind of get stuck somewhere in the, this dark gray matter up here. All right? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2 says, Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, Again, our ministry is reconciliation. Our ministry is to reach the world. Our ministry is to touch someone else's life out there, yes? We do not lose heart, he says. This is the Apostle Paul. But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. What's he saying there? We take God's word as it says. We don't wait out. Oh, I don't know. That doesn't work for me. It might work for you, but it doesn't work for me. By the mercy of God, because he's given us an incredible ministry, we take God's word for what it is. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. We have this responsibility when we bear this label Christian. We're saying we, we stand behind God's word, what he says. 
we have a conscience to live up to what God is saying in his word. Amen? We might not understand it, but that's why we ask for revelation. Amen? Now, go down to uh, verse, verse 7 in the same chapter. So he's saying again, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. We've got this. Remember, he gave us everything. So he's poured everything into us already. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Has nothing to do with you. and Has nothing to do with what, you, what you've done. Nothing to do with your success. It has everything to do with God. Amen? We are afflicted in every way, but here we are. Because we will come up with excuses. Oh, I can't do it. I'm just not well. I don't have enough. You know, there's just so much against me right now. My schedule, blah, blah, blah. Wah, wah, wah. Sorry, that was my outside voice. Okay, but he says, we are afflicted in every way. He's telling you. So you're not perfect. We're afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair. Come on, you should be saying amen as I say these things. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, reminding us why we're even alive today. So that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. Oh, but I am in so much pain. I can't do this, and I can't give. Honestly, there's a bunch of sorry Christians out there. You smiled because you knew what I almost said. Thank you for watching us on YouTube. No, seriously. There's people that call themselves Christians, and, and they're, they, it's just a list of all their deficiencies and what's wrong with them, and I can't do this, I can't do that, and it hurts, and I'm, they hate me, and blah, blah, blah. That's not what Paul's saying here. He actually accounts for the fact that, guess what? You're pressed on all sides, but you've not given up. Jesus here is pictured as this treasure that we have inside. We've got to get this in our thinking because our thinking will determine our behavior. Some of you have been studying this. I know this is going to relate to you. And I will kind of go, go through this next week with some illustrations so you'll understand what I'm trying to get at. Because how you think will always determine what behavior is going to come out of you. Right? So he's saying Christ is this incredible treasure that you have. Why do you treat it like it's just blech? No value to it. When yet he's, if he's in you, all that he has is in you. But if you don't believe that, then you live like you never have enough, let alone to give away. Come on. This is a giving message. But I'm going to go through it attacking the way we think. Because a lot of it is how we think. How long has the church been viewed as cheap? Come on. That is such a label that I, we just got to tear down. The church is cheap. I disagree with that. Always wanting for more and not doing anything for anyone. We need to tackle the root of that problem, which is having this poverty mindset. Mindset is what you think, right? You can be rich. Here's the thing. You can be rich and still have a poverty mindset. 
not having enough, worried about not having enough, even though all your bills are paid, you've got nothing else, no mortgage, you, you've got food in the fridge, your RSPs are up to date, but you can still be worried about whether or not you have enough. That's what I say when somebody's rich and has a poverty mindset. And that's prevalent in North America. You know, I, I, I did this just as a, boy, I want to just kind of, I was interested, I was curious. I went online and I want to see what the richest people, because the, they always have that. You can Google anything, the, the 10, 25, 50 richest people in the world. This is the average giving for millionaires and billionaires that are noted to be millionaires and billionaires. Less than 10%. Okay, Amazon, people who own Amazon, gave $2 billion to charity. And you think, oh, God, that's worth more than anybody can ever have. You're right. You know how much, you know what the percentage is? Two billion? 1.5% of their net worth. Bloomberg, 767 million, 7% of their net worth. eBay, now you guys can stop shopping so we can drop their profits, right? 392 million, 3.4% of their net worth. Microsoft, 295 million, 0.7% went to charity. You can be rich, but still have a poverty mindset. So here's what I say. If you're giving your 10%, you're doing way better than these guys. Because it's all relative, isn't it? It's not about amount. If you're doing your 10%, you're doing the base minimum that God is asking of us. These guys, yeah, millions and billions look great, but they're not giving what they could give. So here's the thing. We have a stronghold, don't we? There's a stronghold when this kind of thinking is prevalent in your life and you're wondering why we're not getting ahead. Where does a stronghold begin? Where does a stronghold begin? In my mind, in a thought, right? I've already said God gave us a, a spirit of power and of love and a sound mind, which means we have the ability to break this poverty mindset in our minds. Amen? Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm going to show you all these verses that you've read before. Some of you memorized them. They're on your fridge. And you need to get them deeper than just, oh, yeah, I've read it. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Where, where are the strongholds found again? In our mind. Casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every... Bringing every, have you read this verse before? No, no, have you read this verse before? So am I right in saying that our thoughts determine our behavior? And yet he says you have everything in you to be able to take that thought and punish and say, no, that's not who Jesus is in me. That's not who I am as a son of God. Or you can say, oh, but I still don't have enough. I'm just barely scraping through. Well, then when you read this verse, you don't really believe it. 
we got to get to the root. The root is our thinking. It's in our minds. These verses are, ju are, are just verses if we don't actually believe them and put them into practice and apply the principle that he's telling us here. Nothing changes until we start to think differently. Until we change that phrase, I can't, to I can, then we're stuck in I can't, isn't it? So here's the thing. Neuroscience and medicine have come together to determine that the mind functions separate from our brain. That's a hard one to swallow, but your brain does not act on its own. Your mind actually controls your brain. Right? Your mind, which is part of your soul, which is your will, your emotions, your mind, so your feelings and your thoughts and your desires, act on your brain to produce feelings, to produce an action. Think about that. Right? So thoughts are real. They actually occupy mental real estate in your head. They figured this out. I've been reading and studying this. Like, wow, this is amazing. I love this stuff. And people would be like, well, that's boring. No, no, no. It's really interesting because it gives you a doorway or a window to seeing how you believe and behave. Because your thoughts actually occupy space in your brain. And I'm going to show you this next week. So here's the thing. Your mind is separate from your brain. Science has now given us this ability to understand that when we actually understand these truths of these principles and these verses I read to you, then you can apply them to your life so your behavior changes. Amen. God didn't just give us a whole bunch of words so that he said, oh, look at me. I'm really amazing. I can give you all these scriptures. He gave us scriptures so we could live this life the way he wanted us to live it. In spite of the fact that we're a fallen creature, amen? So, here's the thing. Like, God's brilliant. Like, think about this. If God's brilliant, then you're brilliant. You just haven't, you just haven't found that out yet. Look at your name and say, you're brilliant. Why? Because God is brilliant. No, seriously, you're laughing at each other. Ha, 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 he said, you're brilliant. But I don't really believe this, but I'll say it because he asked me to say it to you. You're brilliant because you were created in God's image. Are you starting to get this? I know you've got this because you always give me that smile. Okay, so here's the thing. If we don't understand how we think, then we don't understand how our thoughts are built in our brain. And our thoughts become words which become action, right? And I'm going to explain this again next week. Some of you have heard this saying. Let me say it to you. Watch your thoughts because they become words. Yes? Watch your words because they become deeds or actions. Watch your deeds or actions because they become habits. Watch your habits because they become your character. Character is everything. Ultimately, it started with what? My thought. Is now who I am today? Oh, yeah. 
Amazing. My thought is who I am today because I've allowed it to progress from thoughts to words to actions to habits to my character. Again, we have a lot, to, our thoughts have a lot to play in our behavior and our character. Scientists back in the 60s, they determined that, you know, I don't know how they did this because they've changed that, but they had this theory that the brain cannot change. That once the brain reached adulthood, whether that be 15 or 18, whatever they decided was when a person was an adult, the brain could no longer change. Okay? Okay, now let's look at Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And it says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Okay, here's that word. What's that word I stopped you at again? What's that word? Renewing. It doesn't say renewed. It's renewing. The word is ongoing. Renewing is a form that's continuous. Yes. See, we think, oh, yes, I understand this. I've renewed my mind. No, 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 no. Renewing is a constant state of renewing your mind, your thinking, your thoughts. So that we would prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Yes. Oh, and I did that 10 years ago. Yeah, it is funny, isn't it? You did that 10 years ago, but you've only, because God doesn't change, but he's so vast, he's so complex that for us, in order to catch up to him, even the slightest bit, you've got to continually renew that mind, ongoing, continuous, so you can understand and get revelation to what his word is saying. Modern research has demonstrated that the brain continues to create new neural pathways and alter existing ones in order to adapt to new experiences and learn new information and create new memories. The brain can rewire itself following damage. And I've seen this firsthand, haven't we? Robinella, we've seen this firsthand. My sister who's had the stroke, she's had to rewire her brain to be able to do some of these things that she's able to do now. Anybody that you know of who's had any kind of brain injury, the brain is incredibly complex. Thank you, Jesus, because he got it from him. God created us. God created this brain knowing that if that ever happened, I've created a, a way for that brain to rewire so you can still function. So we've got evidence that, you know what, this theory that back in the 60s is just baloney. The brain actually can rewire itself. It can change. It can continue to change. So the mind is different from the brain. And the brain, the Bible tells us the mind has actual control over the brain. Every, all these scriptures I'm giving you is talking about the mind, not the brain, isn't it? He's telling you, all these scriptures are telling you, guess what? Your brain is that, your, your mind is that powerful. It actually has control over you. Not your brain. It's not talking about the physical lumpy bubbly organ that's in your head it's talking about the mind that has been placed in you and that's why he tells us to get the mind of Christ that's why we're supposed to be spirit led not soul led because the soul then we're only led by our own minds spirit 
is what connects to us, God's spirit. When we understand that, then we understand that we're submitted to the spirit of God through our spirit. From there, the rightful order is our, God's spirit talks to our spirit. Our spirit talks to our soul, talks to our bodies. So here's the other thing. I told you that verse in 2 Timothy chapter 1, 7. You've been given a spirit of power and of power and of love. You were wired for love. We're wired for love. Right? What's the opposite of love? People will say hate. Actually, you know what the opposite of love is? Fear. Isn't that what he addresses Timothy in this, in this actual verse? You've not been given a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. We've been given that kind of a spirit. We've been given, it's in us. But do we actually allow it to manifest in us, through us, so that the world would know we have the answers, yes? So, Here's the thing. If we've been given a spirit of love, not a, not a spirit of fear, we actually learn fear. We learn it. It's not in us. And let me prove it to you. Those of you who have children, do not touch this hot stove. Okay? Why do you think they want to touch the hot stove? Because they're afraid? There's no fear. So, Guess what we've done? We've actually taught them how to fear. We teach ourselves, we teach our children how to fear. Just wait till your dad comes home. Come on. Prior to them touching, disobeying, there was no fear in them. They're not wired for it. We're, we were not wired for that. But we learn it because people impose stuff on us because of fear. Let me take you to the cross. And Jesus is hanging there and he finally looks to his father and he says three words. It is everything was done. Not, it is finished, I'm ready to die. It is finished. The work that I have to do here is done. They can take over now because they will be equipped to do it. Yes? Does that make sense? But here's the thing. God doesn't give you a baked cake. He gives you the ingredients because you can come up with so many different ways to bake a cake. Yes? I don't need eggs anymore. Hallelujah to make a cake. Because we've gone plant-based. No, seriously. There are so many different ingredients out there. You don't, God's not going to give you a baked cake. He's going to give you all the ingredients. You can put it together to bake that cake to show the world. You baked the cake. What we have to learn to do is actually access what's already been done. It's been done. What our job 
is as believers is to access what has been done already so we can live it out in our lives. Okay? But somewhere in our growing up, somewhere between, yes, Jesus come into my heart to today, some of us have believed the lie that we just can't. We've hung on to this that, no, there's just not enough. No, I can't do that. Therefore, when we read scriptures that God wants to bless us and give us, we read it instead. We think God's wanting to take something from us. So in, in essence, what we're doing is we don't believe him. You know, there's Christians that read God's word that don't believe his word. And I don't know if that's you, but that's, you can't call yourself a Christian and not believe his word. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. What is that saying? It's been done. What is that saying? It's been done already. God is wanting to get to the place where we're walking in what has already been done, what has already been prepared for you and I. Oh, I just don't know what God wants me to do. Well, find out because he's, it says he's already done it. You just got to get to that place where you're walking in what is already done for you to be able to show the world you have the answer. Oh, I just wish he would just drop it on my lap or my face. No, this is where we actually have to go digging like scientists and find out what God's words actually trying to say to us. Now, I want to stop those people who really are into this name it and claim it because that's not what I'm asking you to do here, okay? That's the perversion of renewing your mind, okay? Name it and claim it. People are good at naming it. But they don't claim it very well because I still see a lot of them that are still living in misery, ill health. Everything that they, they say they have, they don't have. They're, they're, they're trying to convince themselves that they've got what, it, what they have, but they don't have it yet. Why? Because they haven't changed their thoughts yet. They've learned the Christianese, the lingo, but they have not learned how to actually apply God's word into their life. Word of faith, which is who we are, we have to take those words and apply them, not just say them, not just claim them, but actually apply them so they become behavioral in our lives. Come on. Too many people saying it, but they don't live it. Too many people living in this debt just say, oh, no, God wants to, you know, I, I, I am prosperous, blah, blah, blah. I've got all this, you know. My God shall supply all my needs, and they're barely scraping it. Because they don't really believe it. They can say it, but they don't really believe it. They've learned the right words and prayers to say, but they still haven't renewed their minds. Why? Because it shows in their behavior. Oh, you don't want to give. Oh, well, yeah, because I, I just don't know if I'm going to have enough. Well, that just destroys your name and all this prosperity stuff that you believe in. So renewing our mind 
it begins with us learning how to control this brain. Our brain does not control us. We control our brain. Amen? <clears throat> now, having said that, I have no control of every situation that happens in my life. You too? Does anybody have it? Does anybody have complete control? On the, here, you preach. I don't have any control of every situation in my life. Yes? But what do I have control of? My response. Again, what do I have control of if I don't have control of every situation in my life? I have the control of how I'm going to respond to that situation, don't I? Again, where's that done? That's done in the mind. That's done in the mind, how I think about that situation. Why does Paul say, fix on these things, whatever is lovely, whatever is true? Because in the end, whatever you are fixing on, will show in your behavior. Again, neuroscientists have found that we really only know about up to 10% of the brain's function. So most of brain studies around this kind of information is usually just about the mind. Because they know that the mind now is what controls the brain. And it's the conscious mind. So information about your finances, your work, your family, they all go into this mind so that it helps you make a decision as to what you're going to do. Those thoughts about your family, your finances, your situation, circumstances, now go to the brain. And from there, the brain tells your body what you're going to do. For some people, they just sit there and sweat. Some people, they go do something. Some people, no, I'm going to apply God's word to this situation. I'm going to learn how to get myself out of debt. So our minds process info through one of two ways. I said through love or through fear. Did we get that earlier? I'm going to show you this in an illustration next week. So come back. If you're not going to come back, we're on YouTube. But come back because you're going to see this illustration, how this is going to work. Um, go back to your Bibles to First uh, John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, 18, it says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. That word perfect means it has not been made mature. Now, you know what it's like when all of a sudden you get this in the mail, oh my God, where am I going to get this? Right? Where am I going to get this money from? I got this bill for like $500 that I have to pay this week. Okay? So we can either operate out of love or out of fear. Love's going to say, you know what? We just have to manage and figure out. Because you can, you can still have this stress of, I'm not saying that you're never going to have these stressful situations. I'm going to say out of love or out of fear is how you're going to behave when you get something like a stressful situation where you've got a bill that is due next week. You know what I'm talking about. Some of us naturally go to the, oh my God, what am I going to do? And some say, well, this is life. We'll figure it out. That's the perfect mature way to handle it. God says he'll supply all my needs. And that's not going to drop out of heaven, but he's going to show me creatively what I can do to make this bill and still be on my budget. Come on. 
Some of you just, it, it, for some of you who I know, it's just second nature now. Why? Because you've learned to apply God's word to your life, that your behavior, you don't go to this, oh, what am I going to do? You don't do that anymore. You did at first, right? You started at first, and now you're like, you know what? It's just life. We'll get through this. Give me an amen. I know there's a lot of you who learned this. You don't, you don't sweat about these things anymore. Why? Because you've gotten that place where you know I can either act like a real jerk about this and blame everybody around me, or I can just say, guess what? This is just life. We get through this. So there's the, the love zone, I'll call it, and then there's the fear zone. And you're going to have to come back next week so I can explain this. Okay? But a lot of us, when we haven't learned this, we'll jump back and forth into the love zone, into the fear zone, back into the fear zone, into the love zone, like a yo-yo. And you're wondering why you never grow up. Because you haven't grabbed onto that scripture that God tells you. Apply this into your life so that you always behave in the love zone where it can come at you. You are oppressed. You are attacked. You are coming in on all sides. But you will not give up the fact that you have a treasure in you, Jesus Christ. And no matter what, I will give. I will serve. I will, I will, I will represent Christ the best way I can. Because he has done everything. Did you get that? He's done everything. You're not trying to find out a new way to get through life. He's already shown us, hey, I lived that life, that, that human life that you guys so value. Because I want you to value eternity instead. But in the meantime, can I show you something? I lived your human life. And I got through it. I am a conqueror. And if Jesus Christ is a conqueror, then you as a believer is also a conqueror. That's a weird English word. Okay, we've got to get through this because it's 1110. These guys are wondering, when is he going to stop? Okay. Okay, so here's the thing. It's why we're, we're told as believers, constantly fill yourself with the word. Yes? Man, if you're... If you're, okay, if you're going to go home after today and not do anything except come back next week and you've not read your word, you've not filled yourself up with worship, you are starving. You're not going to get the revelation that you want. How do I get this? How do I get this? Feed yourself on the word of God. See what he says about you. Get it into your thinking so you start behaving the way your mind is controlling your brain. Okay, now back it up. God already knows. Yeah, God, I failed. I can't do this. Uh, he knows you're going to say that. He knows you're not there. So what, what does he do? He gives us whom? Holy Spirit. Everybody say that. Holy Spirit. It's not just some gas. He is a person. But some of us have been taught, oh, he's just like a cloud or a gas. <coughs> no, no, that's not a gas. <clears throat> he's a person, so he knows that we're going to have to rely on him when these verses don't make any sense. Can you show me, Holy Spirit, I don't understand this, revelation. And then all of a sudden, one day, bing. Why? Because you can't, he knew you couldn't do it on your own. He knew you could never get the revelation of giving on your own. So you need to ask, Holy Spirit, how do I become this giver that you are 
like God when I can't get this revelation in my heart? Show me. Deuteronomy chapter 30. Man, if we would just think and feel and constantly ask the Holy Spirit every day, throughout your whole day, what, what are you doing? How do, we, how do I get through this? How do I, you know, oh, no, it's usually, oh, no, I need, I need God now. Three weeks after Sunday when I heard this message, right? Deuteronomy chapter 30 says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you what? Life and death. Blessing and cursing. Therefore, what? Choose life that you and your offspring, not just you, offspring could be generations, hello, may live. Oh, that was a big amen. He's, he gave us this word. Choose life. All that he's given us is so that we could have life and our offspring, generations after us, would still prosper because we have understood his principles that he's trying to get into us so we can live this life that he's already given us everything. Amen? Acts chapter 17. Verse 28 says, for in him we move and live and have our being. It's in him, not in our knowledge or understanding or interpretation. It's in him. See, we like those verses, but then we live, go and live our lives separate of God. We go live our lives independent of God's spirit, independent of the Holy Spirit. And then we wonder why things are messed up. And it's like, did you read my word, Acts 17, verse 28? Oh, I'm just reading it now. Here's the thing. The love zone, the fear zone. There is no gray zone. That's why we're either bouncing back and forth like a yo-yo in fear and in love. There's no, oh, yeah, I kind of can sit here and do nothing. No, you're either one or the other, Right? We either choose life or we choose death. Every time we choose death, a little part of it dies in us. Until finally, we'll, what are we faced with? Eternal death. Every time we, we choose to sin, the part of us is dying inside. Because that's not who God created us to be. When he says choose life, choose life. And stay on that life side. But it's so hard. Yeah, I know it is. I know too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I have Holy Spirit, and he's, he's talking to us constantly. It's just, are you listening? There's another weird English word. Are you listening? Because he's always talking. Don't do that. Ooh, maybe you need to forgive that. Oh, maybe you should go and help that home. Maybe you should. Come on, we know it. We choose either to live in the love zone or in the fear zone. And then when we're in the sphere zone, we're striving to make things work. And we're wondering why, man, this Christian life is so hard. Right? Because we're trying to make decisions without his input, without his principles being applied into our lives. Next week, we're going to continue to probe this mind renewal process and how it affects every aspect of our... Uh, this was supposed to be a giving message. Did you get that? 
No, seriously. The nature of God is giving. But if we don't understand who God is, if we don't understand how we think of God, we separate us, our, ourselves from that nature who, who we already have. Come back next week. We're going to finish this. Let's just bow in a word of prayer. Father, I pray that this message is not just about giving, but it's every aspect of our thought life and how it converts to our behavior, how it converts to how we live our life as a believer, as a son or a daughter of God. Holy Spirit, we're asking you, I'm asking you, would you just reveal, shed light on these scriptures to us as your people, as your children, because you tell us the church has the answer. We are the answer. That's why you said, I'm building my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. It will be formed. It might even try to do damage, but it will not prosper. Why? Because this is how you're going to cause change in this world. So, Lord, we just ask for you to continue to do your work. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If, this, if you're here this morning, you don't know who Jesus Christ is as Lord and Savior, would you just, you just need to ask him. I don't know you, Jesus. I hear about you. I've heard about you from other people. It's just submitting your life. Boy, now it's a process, but now it's just, I just surrender. Stop living your life for yourself. Stop trying to do it your way. Stop trying to be good enough. You're never going to be good enough. God says, just come. Come as you are. Surrender yourself to the love of Christ who's reaching you, trying to reach you, trying to show you there's a better way. You just need to pray that and say, I accept this. I accept what he's saying. I believe on you, Lord Jesus, and I confess that you are Lord of my life. <clears throat> I know that I'm separated from you right now. And I ask that you would just receive me, that I might grow in the knowledge of being a son or a daughter of Christ. Amen. If you've said that prayer, would you talk to one of us in the front? We'd love to pray with you and just let you know where your next steps are. We're going to go into time of worship. Why don't you all stand? Why do we do worship at the end? Because now you've heard God's word. And you have but one option here. It's to respond. It's not to sing karaoke. It's to respond. What am I going to do with what's just been said to me? God, I need, I need a, a heart transformation. I need a, a, a mind renewal. You need to show me how to renew this mind. Because I live in so much fear. I live in so much doubt about really who you are. Amen. Well, we hope you got a lot out of today's sermon. If you'd like to connect with us, please feel free to check out our website at frvc.ca. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Have a great day, everyone.